I'm Pete. I'm Ryan. Welcome to the show on MajorLeagueAholes.com. We have a full, full show for you this spring training morning. Uh, we have fans coming back to stadiums across Major League Baseball. The announcements were made this week. Uh, we've got rules changes in the minor leagues that are going to affect the future of Major League Baseball as we know it. Um, going to go through all those. Uh, we've got, I've got a little bit of sexual harassment. Uh, I've got a Cubs rub. Pete's got some gigantism. And of course, we've got some Tiger shit and now fucking A's to talk about. So we've also got a little bit, little bit of shit you couldn't make up. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh, fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Uh, I think the first thing we've got to talk about is we've got fucking fans coming back in the stands this year, officially that, in Chicago. Right. 20%. Per, 20% uh, I think it's, I find that to be a little low um, well, it's, because it's, of the fact that we have 50% of people right now crammed indoors at restaurants. But yeah. Hey, what? Who am I to? I'm no expert in the situation. Well, there is a story about, around that. I mean, the, I was predicting 25 percent because that's what I heard from my little grapevine that the Tigers are going to ask the governor of Michigan for. It leaked that the Cubs and Sox were asking for 30 percent, but everything with Chicago politics is a negotiation, so that is why they landed on 20 percent because they don't want to give anybody what they want if there's not a kickback or not enough of a kickback. I mean, of course, I'm going to assume there's some nefarious shit going on with uh, Chicago and Illinois government. Um, so that's why it's lower. 20% seems just like what you says. I mean, it's certainly a positive, but it seems ridiculous and arbitrary, especially considering you can have 50% people indoors in a restaurant, which is far more dangerous than being outdoors in a giant stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... I did not hesitate, though. I have a 10-game package to the White Sox once it was announced. Nice. I, I, I wanted to make sure I could secure uh, an opening day ticket. So um, hopefully that plays out right. It's been a little, it's been a little, uh, been a little janky, but more information has finally come out. It was, we get these vouchers, and then like it's like, what the fuck do I do with the vouchers? They finally said that you can start exchanging the vouchers once a, a week before uh, general tickets go on sale to the public. So I imagine that'll be soon since opening day is right around the corner. Um, so you would be considered, this is what I'm a little bit confused about. I'm glad, I'm glad you've got the real information about it. Cause they said, you know, priority would go to season ticket holders. And I'm guessing that the first priority would go to full season ticket holders and then half season, whatever. And then, yeah, right. then you, you would with a limited season ticket package, you'd be like third or fourth in line. Is that, is that how that's yeah, going to work? Or? I, I would imagine with the way they're listed on the website, like I'm last in the season ticket holder chain. Cause okay. So there's a hierarchy. A, there's yeah. a 10, there's a 20, there's a half and there's a full okay so um but it's interesting uh you know like the there i'm gonna have we're gonna have to go in through a particular gate 
Oh, yeah. We're only going to be allowed in our section of the park for concessions. Concessions are all. The Cubs were calling the, those neighborhoods. I don't know if, if the Sox have. They're a, calling a them pods. They're just calling them pods or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for Scott Pesednik. Uh, yeah, pods. Pods. Um, Perfect. And, and then, you know, it's all touchless uh, yeah. ordering, you know, so. If you're if you're a cash payer, you better uh, go buy a Visa gift card or some shit to order your food uh, at the at the Sox game. Yeah. If, you if you don't have those means, if you're if you're running around with bills in your pocket, you better put them in a bank account and and do it that way because that's the only way you're going to be able to buy uh, the concession offering. So when was the last uh, time you went? You used cash? I haven't I haven't been to an ATM in a in a year. I think. Uh, when is the last time I used cash? I pay. I well, gave sometimes my. I, sometimes I. Sometimes I. Like for Christmas, my mom will give me cash, so then I. I just have cash in my pocket, and I'll use it for tips at restaurants yeah, or stuff like did. that. I because, had like a like, hundred bucks in my. The, I had like a hundred bucks that. in my wallet for like a year, and then I I I tipped my movers a couple weeks ago, and I moved in here. So that was the last. I'm like, wow, I haven't used an ATM in for fucking ever. Yeah. No, I haven't used an ATM since. I mean, outside of. Like if you end up with a, well, I haven't even used it for a check. I just do it on my phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah so I think crazy. that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty simple. Like I think most people are. No, I think over. That, so. I, think it, I think overall it's simple, but there's. I mean, you know the the there there's. I've seen dudes like at the ballpark like pull out their freaking bankroll and they're just doling out cash. So holding it by their side, kind of. I, I don't want. I don't want to know how they got their money. I don't care. <laughs> But you know, it's so, a cash business. It's a cash business, yeah. So you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be probably some minor adjustments for people. But I think overall, um, uh, it should be it should be interest it should be interesting to start. Um, I wonder how things are gonna change though. If what Joe Biden, if, if that date of May first gets met, that everyone's vaccinated, I mean. Yeah, are we are we looking at then you jump that to fifty percent capacity because now you're I, in that herd immunity level? I mean, they purposely don't know, but... they've purposely kept that open ended. You know, we're starting at twenty percent; it can yeah, go right, up exactly. or or down from there depending yeah, on how right. how the science plays out. But yeah. um, but yeah, they've definitely kept that open where it can it could expand to a hundred percent by the end of the year if it needs to. So. I think that's smart. I think it's, I literally think the 20% though comes down to nefarious negotiations between the government and people with a lot of money, like the Cubs and Sox, and they just didn't get the correct kickback that they wanted, or they're just trying to, they're holding the carrot for, they never want to give them exactly what they want to start out with. But I don't know the, the Cubs, I know the Cubs numbers are something like 8,300 tickets would be 20%. Um, and of course, they said the the majority will, or the first priority will go to season ticket holders. And then there'll be, uh, I heard the bleachers were going to be all uh, donated tickets to first responders, uh, but that would be part of that 8,300. So I think the pool for regular fans is going to be insanely limited and be very difficult to get, which is, I mean, that's just what it is. It is what it is. But the, the advantage the Cubs have always had and part of the frustration and why I feel like they've been short-sighted about their revenue streams or lack thereof or their foresight not to seeing this coming, uh, they've, they've got the, the rooftops as well. So, you know, they say 8,300 in the stands, but I don't know how many more thousand they're going to have out in the, in the rooftops because I think those have similar restrictions to 
what you're seeing in bars and restaurants where it's 50% capacity. So those could be, those could be, I'm guessing they're not limited to 20% in the, in the rooftops. I, that's what I'm thinking. It's probably yeah, that, 50% that would, out there. That probably falls under the 50% rule. So that's what I would think. Cause, cause half of it's outdoors anyway. So if they're already allowing 50% indoors, it seems like that yeah. should be pretty simple. So the Cubs are going to have plenty of, uh, more than more than the socks, I guess. Do you, do you know what the socks numbers are? I, I forget how big. Just un, just uh, just under is. just under eighty two hundred. So okay. it's not about that big same. of a difference. Yeah. The the thing I I do question about the about the Cubs though, since the bleachers are like their own entity, cut off from the rest of the field, does that really count? Yeah, it does. Towards... It's just they're just calling that another neighborhood. The same idea. You can't go to different sections of of the ballpark. Yeah. They're just calling it, but it does count um, as part of the total eighty three hundred. I just heard the 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 difference there is that those were all going to be donated to first responders. Is what I heard. I'm not sure if that's actually come to fruition, but yeah. The I guess uh, it does make sense because that place holds about a little over forty two or whatever. So yeah, the bleachers. Oh, oh, the forty-two thousand, yeah. Um, no, just the stadium's about forty-two thousand or whatever. So yeah, I, I think the bleachers are about ten thousand alone. I could be wrong on that, but after they expanded them, but I haven't heard exactly what the Tigers are doing. I'm assuming they're going to be around twenty, twenty-five percent. Um, the across Major League Baseball, I haven't heard a whole lot of news other than. <laughs> The Texas Rangers, who are going to be our assholes of the week. What is your problem, you insensitive asshole? Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Who the fuck is this asshole? Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. They're gonna have 100% capacity on opening day. Fuck it. Why? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, we, I mean, they've got 6,000 cases, and they say, "Hey, we don't need masks anymore. We got yeah. the vaccine." They just decided that the the pandemic is over, and we've got baseball, and we're gonna have 100%. Um, just for opening day, though. Well, and that this is that's literally why I'm making them assholes of the week. What you just brought up. It's so silly. They, they, they're on one hand, they are saying the pandemic's over as of opening day, 100% capacity. They've relaxed all their mask rules. So I don't even know if you have to wear a fucking mask on opening day. I'm going to go um, with no. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards no. Yet they've already announced that they're going to reduce capacity for all other games, but opening day. So uh, apparently the, the, Pandemic is going to take a break and take a take a take five on opening day, and then it is, it is. but it returns the day after and all other days. So their 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 policy literally makes zero sense for safety. They they is it safe or isn't it safe? And they're they're trying to walk the line, which just makes them complete assholes in my mind. Like they know it's not safe. They're just doing it for the fuck of it because they can, and their their governor is letting them do it. I think it's, I mean, I hope it, hope it all works out, but just the idea that they're not having a hundred percent capacity for the entire season shows you, they know they're being fucking assholes by let, letting it be for opening day. So you're just going to let all those people poison each other and create a super spreader event potentially. 
but that's fine. It's only one day. Like, do you not understand? It's like they literally have no understanding of science whatsoever. Yeah. I, or I, I'm curious. I'm curious to see if they'll bend on this, but but probably not. It's Texas, so I don't know what the commissioner can do. I know they've they've been lambasted across social media. Uh, I'm guessing the other clubs aren't too happy about it. I can't believe their opponent would be very happy about it. If you know, I I want to say they're playing the the Blue Jays uh, on opening day. So now they're being exposed to forty some thousand people on the field. <laughs> Um, and you know, that yet they have restrictions, you know, the, the, the players alone, even the Texas Rangers themselves, they are still under restrictions, but their fans are not under any restrictions. So yet they're being herded into a giant stadium full of people that are unmasked or potentially unmasked. I think someone is going to step in cause this, it's just ludicrous that they're doing. I think they're, they're making headlines. They're trying to say, you know, fuck the government, fuck, fuck COVID, fuck, you know, all these people that are scared of scared of a virus you know i think it's it's a more of a political stance than anything saying we're going to be open 100 on opening day and then scale, the scaling back just make, yeah it, that's that's the part that that makes no sense you just go if you're going to do this if you're going to be jerks about it then you're basically saying we know opening day is a mistake but we're going to do it anyway Exactly. So they're admitting they're assholes. So it, yeah, I mean that's fine if you know you're an asshole. Hey, we call ourselves major league ass assholes, a holes. So you know that's I guess that's cool if you want to be a holes. Yeah. At least at least we're not endangering the lives of multiple thousands of people. Not yet, at least. Well, that's that's about all I've got about the fans coming back. I'm excited. Uh, it's a cool step in the right direction. I just hope teams and people handle it responsibly so we don't have to take any steps back we keep going in the right direction i mean i plan on running right through the barrier and running around the entire park so <laughs> we'll see what happens do you know what so you don't know what dates you have yet it's just a vouch you said a voucher well, thing yeah we bought the we bought the premium set so so um, you will be there on opening day uh so so this is where it may get a little hazy because I'm concerned about there's a limited capacity, right? Yeah. And you've already got probably, I think they average like, and I don't know if that includes all these packages. I'll just, let's just say it, it does. It includes all these packages. They average like 14, 15,000 season ticket holders anyway. There's eight. Yeah. There's 8,000. And that, and that and that's that's the the ticket holders. How many seats those are for each ticket holder? Then you know, like, so. So what did the premium level get you versus standard you, level? So premium gets you opening day, okay. Yankees or Cubs. So you have those three games <laughs> to pick from. Oh, one um, one of the three. I see. Okay. Yeah, and then you get well, uh, depending if you can if you're number gets called i mean you might get shut out of one or two of those i would think no and that's the that's the thing like i i i see the potential of i so want to go to opening day because it's something i yeah basically do every year um but you know if i get shut out and end up with cubs or yankees tickets is not the worst thing in the world it was it was worth buying the premium yeah to 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 get get either of those games but um you know, and then the other premium games are, you know, what would be considered other like premier matchups. So sure. 
and and that'll be probably uh, obviously like when the you know Indians are in town or the Red Sox. You know, well maybe not the Red Sox this year. Maybe when the fucking A's are in town. Ooh, the um, fucking A's. So, so yeah. So um, we'll like I said, we won't really get a glimpse into that until it's time to you can actually start redeeming these vouchers and 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 see what you can get. So I have yeah, this eerie feeling. I have this eerie feeling though it's going to be like trying to get a PS5, you know. Mm-hmm. Very very limited quantities and every time you seem to get the alert and go on, they're gone before you get there. Yeah, so it's it... like um it's going to be and I, I think the Sox and probably the Cubs too are probably going to wait till the last possible minute in hopes that they're the amount of people are expanded by the time they have to do this. Yeah. Um that's a that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. It could change, you know, just because they announced this week that it's going to be twenty percent on opening day. If if the numbers keep keep doing what they are and the vaccinations keep increasing, you know, why why couldn't they expand? Or or if the Ricketts and Reinsdorf give the, give the correct kickback to the the powers that be, maybe maybe they can up that. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Alderman Tunney and I don't. He's got to get his take. White Sox Alderman is they need their they need their scratch, man. They do. That's how need the some world back works. scratching. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing I didn't notice real quick on this, like I, I from uh, what I've seen, I actually do kind of know this from what I've seen is they do not consider uh so the boxes in the stadiums are not part of the attendance because that's a private area yeah the suites right okay suites are not considered part of the attendance and two sections that aren't considered part of the attendance too are those like clubs the um yeah not the like the 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 socks have the the seats behind home plate and then they have that other like area uh home plate main level and then they have that other area like in the 300 level that's a private area those are not those are not part of the attendance count and i imagine it's going to be the same way at wrigley so there's probably going to be more like you know ten thousand people at these games um because that stuff is not part of that uh, they're not counted as the attendance in the regular pool, I guess. That's so. interesting that they can find that loophole, but yeah, they'll find every yeah. loophole they can. I'm sure as long as, I mean, it's not like it's going to be a secret that they're doing that. I'm sure that's all yeah. above board, but. I mean, this is probably good news for the Cubs. I mean, they're probably would add dwindling attendance uh, this year anyway. So now they can hide it. So <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Well, keep us posted as to how that voucher system works out for you. That's that's good insider information for the pod. I appreciate I it. I will. I will. I will. I think the next line item on our agenda today is the major announcement yesterday that minor league baseball is going to uh, make a lot of experimental rules changes uh, that could be affecting the major leagues in the uh, years to come. Um, yeah, I'm I'm interested, folks. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to react to this as Smitty lets me know what they are because I did not have time to brush up on this prior to us starting this this morning. So here we go. Well, the first one's going to make you laugh, but um, I do like what overall my my thoughts are. I love this. Um, I love that they're experimenting. It's just the minor leagues. Uh, this is kind of a product of the major league 
uh, Major League Baseball taking over minor league baseball that I've commented about a lot, uh, which is kind of gross how it happened. But there are some a lot of efficiencies that they can create. And now they have autonomy to do whatever the fuck they want with the minors. And they have done a lot. Um, but they're, they're, what they're doing with this is, I think, really smart. Number one, uh, why not experiment with rules changes uh, through other minors? Because who gives a fuck? Um, experiment there and see how they work. And then you can implement them into the majors with some with a knowledge base, with some with some data to show you how it's, it is going to affect real games. The other smart thing they're doing is, is literally the scientific method. These rule changes are only there's five major changes they're making, but they're they're happening. One rule is changing in each of the different levels of base of minor league baseball. So they're only changing one rule in triple A and they're only changing a different rule in double A and so and so forth. So literally you'll see what those changes, um, what the what the effects are of those individual changes. If you changed all five rules across all levels or across just one league, you could debate like, well, this rule made this effect, but you know, it short shortened the game in this effect, but it lengthened games because of this rule where, you know, just dividing up these rules across the leagues is literally the scientific method. You can, you can see what happens to game times and safety and, and other things that they're trying to address. So I think it's smart. The, the first one's going to make you laugh though. Triple uh, A, yes. they have decided to go with, gigantic bases at first second and third literally the 15 inch bag is changing to 18 inches which is something i've i've heard of um a little I'm bit at puzzled. first yeah it's a straight it's a safety thing when it comes down to it, it literally if it's a, if there's a larger target for a runner to get to there's less of a chance of a collision I don't know how much of a how much of a safety increase we're really going to have in that, and how quantifiable that's going to be. But it's hey, they're trying something. Who cares? It's going to look kind of funny. It's like a like a helmet on top of a base or something. <laughs> Just gigantic bases out there is going to look strange for AAA. I've heard this theory, this idea for first base for a long time to eliminate all collisions or um, you know the possibility of a first baseman getting his Achilles snap, you know, stepped on by a runner. They were going to put literally put a second bag behind oh, that, first base in foul territory. So they would run to that where that's the first what they do. And that's what they do in, in, in for Charlie. Okay. Like yeah. That, that these levels in little league, they, they have um, on, on first base, there's an, an extra first base. So no one gets, no one's foot gets stepped on or anything. I kind of feel like that's been a no, that should have been a no brainer a long time ago. And it, that should have been implemented a long time ago in major league baseball. Cause you're, you're supposed to run outside the baseline anyway. If, you know, you're supposed to be in foul territory. If you run in fair territory, you could get called for runners interference to block, you know, on a bunt play or something, you could block, be blocking the catcher's path to throw to first base. So, why not just put the fucking base, you know, make a, is it essentially just two bases that, that, yeah, that literally, literally has? yeah, it's two bases. There's yeah. a, there's, there's two first bases. They're one piece, two first bases. It goes in. Um, you know, I think the, the interesting thing on a, on a, on a major league level though, if they're counting that base, that second base as something you could get to, I mean, you could easily on an errant throw now, go wide to get to get be safe like that changes things a lot to me i don't understand 
go wide so, what do you mean so 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 you know like sometimes uh, uh the ball gets thrown wide at first and what happens is um the first baseman ends up putting a tag on the runner before he gets to the bag now he's got a whole extra bag mm. that he could just pretty much dive out of the this is the this is the head first slide into first now he could pretty much <laughs> dive out of the way and be safe yeah He's got a whole nother area you can get to. Well, I think that's another, and you'll you'll see as we get to the other rules. I don't think Major League Baseball is concerned about that because I think what they're trying to do is increase offense and increase action and trying to get more runners on base. So if that, if well, that's no, I a, think the I think the larger base might aid in that, just the larger yeah. base. But I think adding the that second base just you know on a professional level changes it too dramatically to me but well you know and that's, whatever that's, and they're not doing that right now they're just making larger yeah. bases but it's a similar idea and that's why it's an experiment you know they'll see the what the unintended consequences are of all these rules they'll be able to study that throughout the minor league so that's 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 why i like this um it, it just it, i think the visual is going to be kind of funny just with the giant i can't bases wait to see it there. i really can i mean that's another another three inches i mean it's gonna look like a freaking pizza box pretty yeah, much i think pretty yeah pretty much um in let me look this up there's so many rules changes uh shit we'll edit this out i lost my place oh double a biggest rule change going forward um and i love this this is to combat the shift they are forcing four infielders to have both feet in the dirt they could be on the outer edges of of the infield but they have to have two feet in the dirt they can they can be anywhere in the infield they can they can still shift but you can't essentially have a third a fourth or fifth outfielder as as most shifts have evolved to uh to combat left-handed sluggers um that's that see that i like yeah, I didn't. Because, I didn't mind that one at all. Because the while, I, while part of me hates the shift. Part of me is like the other part is like it's a strategy of the game and it works. So why shouldn't you be allowed to do it? The but having the shift, allowing the shift to happen with a modification, I, I like that idea. Yeah, you can do whatever you're, you know, they're not drawing new lines in the field that we'll see henceforth. You know, you're not you're not changing the diamond. You're not you're not making any obvious changes. You're just telling people, hey, you have to have two feet in the dirt. And that's a very easy thing to enforce. You know, if you've got a foot in the grass, it's not hard to see. So and does it is are people going to be, you know, fucking with the margins? You know, are you going to try and get a heel into the grass to get that little bit of advantage? I don't I don't think so. Um, I think it's just it's really going to just crush the crush the idea of the effectiveness of a shift which i think I, I i think i can't believe that you know you and i have talked about this for a long time i can't believe that hitters never adjusted to the shift just oh, by yeah. punching the ball the other way a few times just to negate it but we've had it for i mean it's the shift has increased exponentially for years now and no one's adjusting to it so for whatever reason for if it's boneheaded batters, if baseball is just too stubborn to change, if baseball has changed, you know, literally they've created, I mean, part of this issue is that the shift I believe has created is the three true outcomes. You know, they're rewarding players to, 
either hit home runs or strike out or walk. You yeah. know, that's your, it's your only chance. If a lot of times, if you're a left-handed hitter, if you, if you got five fucking outfielders in front of you, you get a typical single dribbler and, uh, in the you know right field and but there's a fielder right there you get thrown out that would you know for right. 150 years was never an out before so and the thing is like i i mean we've seen it though uh where like schwarber in a game will hit two balls to the left side and get on and they still don't take off the shift yeah because yeah. in their mind he the didn't hit a home he, run yeah. The, the, yeah and the ball that he pulls is going to be for extra bases probably. So if they can have that guy in the outfield to get it and keep it from getting down the line or whatever it is, then, then, then they, they've won, they've kept it to a single base. So they're willing to give up that, that dribbler. So I think the, the fastball moving through the infield with the infielders closer in is going to, is going to create, you know, more, more offense. Yeah, and that and that's the goal. I think is this is all to create more offense, and more more excitement. They they have reserved the right um, at any point in the season to uh, modify that rule to make it you have to have two infielder, you have to have four infielders all with both feet in the dirt, but then you have to have two on the left side of second base and two on the right side of second base. So you couldn't even. I mean, theoretically, you could put four the way it's going to start, at least you could put four infielders on the dirt, but all on, on the first base side of second base. So that would be a kind of shift that I think it would be kind of a terrifying shift for those fielders to all be lined up right there. Um, there's definitely an advantage for lining up 50 feet further back if they needed to. But if that doesn't get the desired effect, I think they're going to change halfway through the season, or they might just do it regardless to see how it changes. Um, to have two on the left side of second base and two on the right side of second base, which I think that's another that might necessitate maybe a line being drawn at, you know, the, the top of the diamond, top of the curve of the dirt uh, directly, you know, straight line from home plate to second base to the top of the diamond, then top of the dirt so that a player, you know, whoever's on whichever side of second base can't can't start to fudge that line, you know, fudge moving one side or the other of second base, you'd have to see that, I think, which I think would kind of suck just to draw an extra line on the field. Not, not that big a deal, but I like the, I like the idea of the, you know, just tell them stay anywhere you want. You just have to have two feet in the dirt and we'll figure it out from there. But no, it sounds like, it sounds like if that happens, we might have a future uh, on the field aesthetic segment. <laughs> I think we would. I'd have to do a whole thing about one extra line on the field. Yeah. Uh, it might be like a hash mark. Maybe it's only a couple feet, couple feet long. You know, like a like on a probably football field. Spo- probably sponsored too. That, that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, we should sponsor that. The Major League A holes second baseline. <laughs> it sounds like that sounds like something assholes would do. Second baseline. We will have to nominate an asshole of the week if they if they do something like that. I like. We're that. nominating ourselves. <laughs> it was our fault. This was our idea. Um, so I, I, first two, I mean, the first one, I, you know, the big base, I'm not sure I understand that. It's funny that they put that in triple a, but this, the double a one is, I think that's going to be the first one that's really going to be, could easily be implemented in the majors next year and to have the biggest impact on baseball. So pay attention to double a baseball, see if the offensive numbers are going up or if the number of shifts or if the, the effectiveness of the shift is changing how the game is played. Um, 
third rule change and the next few have to do they're all at the single a level various divisions um high or low east or west i forget who's who but one of the rules there is affecting pitchers and they're saying in order to throw to do a pickoff move to first base or second base or third base for that matter you literally have to step off the pitching rubber before you throw your, your, your move can't be, you know, a balk used to be your, your foot in the air. Couldn't cross an imaginary line halfway between first and home. Um, well, beyond that, you actually have to step off. You have to take a step, then start to throw, uh, step off the rubber, then take a throw to first, second, third, which, (laughs) I mean, just off the top of my head, that makes it, you know, any kind of solid pickoff move is going to take at least a second longer than it ever has. And is just going to be completely ineffective. Um, I don't know. That's kind of hard to, hard to picture in my mind. I was struggling with the description of it, but um, if the idea is to get more steals in the game, um, I'm all for that. I think it kind of, it kind of makes a pickoff move completely useless I, I can't see how taking a step off the off the pitching rubber and then trying to throw to first after that is going to i don't know how you could ever create a an effective move that a, a base stealer would have to worry about does that, does that make sense to you how i described it yeah i think it's kind of stupid um well if if the idea is to you know encourage steals then it's not stupid but yeah but but i mean there's a ton of pitchers you can steal off of if that's part of your game i mean not everyone has like a in great pickoff move so um and then the uh, catcher has a ton to do with it too so i i just i just don't see why you would why you would just take any pretty much all power away from the pitcher on, on throwing over to first it's just ridiculous I think you would in take it to, that, to that, increase that, increase offense. That that that's no, literally but, the reason. But, so but, not, I guess I I I think you could disagree. With that. I wouldn't call it stupid. I think I think the idea is to create increase offense. But I think you just have destroyed a, a, a total element of the game. Well, I'd like to see that play out, and that's why I'm I'm fine with this happening. In in I think it's in high A baseball, minor league baseball this year. You might be right; it might be ludicrous. It might be just anyone gets on base, they just immediately steal second because the pitcher's powerless to do anything. Or there's innovations. You know, pitchers figure out a way a way to hold runners on, even having to step off. I think that's that's just what they're gonna have to experiment with and find out what happens. Uh, the other rules kind of along those lines, um, you can only throw to, you can only do two pickoffs per plate appearance. Uh, this is an attempt to speed up the pace of play. So you don't have a pitcher throwing incessantly to first base, trying to pick off a guy. He can only throw there two times in, uh, in, you know, obviously it's the next batter's plate appearance, but, um, if he does throw a third time, you have to pick him off. If he's not picked off on the third time over, it's a ball. He gets the base. Yeah, yeah. So the so the runner automatically gets second base. I like I like see that rule. I like. Okay, I'm surprised. I thought you wouldn't like that, but um, no, I like that one because you're not changing. You're not changing a, an element. You're not changing a 
I, I've seen guys throw over eight freaking times and not even yeah. come close to picking a guy off. And you're just like, just worry about the batter. Cause you yeah, know, at exactly. the end of the day, if you worry about the batter, you're probably going to do all right in the, if you after, focus. after they eliminated the, the fake toss to third, to third and the third. spin around know, to, to first, move. just the incessant pickoffs was the least popular play in all of sports. It got the most booze. Um, yeah. which it just made me laugh every time someone would do that fake, that fake to third and spin around because people fucking hated it. You could just hear the booze cascading, but now that's been replaced by the by eight throws, to, eight throws to first that have no chance of actually picking off the runner. And I don't know if if um, I, sometimes I think you know that that's a that's a strategy to to slow down the runner. But it's also I think a pitcher that's scared to throw to home plate. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, just, it is. It is sometimes they're like there's a power hitter coming up. And yeah. They want to try to get that guy off base because they're worried about giving up a home run. Yeah, so, so I I like that. I and it, you know it's literally going to you know speed up the pace of play if you can't do that incessantly. If you can only do it twice, and then it's like okay, now that oh that's a green light for the runner then because it's like I'm I'm going if you can't throw over here and and if you do and don't get me then. I get the base anyway. So I think that's, that's instant offense. I, I kind of like that. And I'm glad you do too. Um, that'll be in a separate division of my, of like, I think it's low a Western divisions doing that. So that's independent of the stepping off the rubber idea. So you'll be able to see how each of those affects, affects the game. I think the final change was in another low, low a division. Um, that's just a further implement implementation of a pitch clock. Um, and I thought that was our, I'm a little confused about how, what that is because I think minor league baseball has been using a pitch clock, a uh, 20 second pitch clock for quite some time. And they've even had pitch clocks installed in the major league stadiums for a couple of years now. And they, they haven't, you know, said that it's a, it's a ball if you don't pitch within 20 seconds, but they have the infrastructure set up to, to have that rule uh, come yeah. into effect anytime. So I didn't quite understand how that was a new rule. Maybe I'm missing a detail there, but maybe it's a shorter clock. Um, but I think it's all, it all comes back to pace of play. Um, again, none of these rules are to shorten games. They're to increase the amount of action that's happening within the time that the games take. So I'm all for that. I, I and again, my, my overarching theme of this podcast is don't fear change. I like, I like to see, look to see them, you know, make some changes that make the game better. And we're obviously seeing, uh, that baseball is in desperate need of some change. And I think this is a smart way to do it. It's going to take a long time just because they're going to take a year to study all these things and nothing is affecting the major league game, for, in, in, at least this year. Uh, hopefully they can you know, find out that these have positive effects on offense and excitement in the game, and they can implement one or multiple rules that that they've determined work Um you know, if, if there is the issue with a step off, step off the rubber, they won't, they'll never implement that in major league baseball, which is cool. You know, they'll, they'll have time to find out if it works or not. So, so it sounds like you were pretty positive about everything except for the step off. Yeah. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, like you said, it's, I mean, it's an experiment too. So that's why they're doing it. So I guess I probably really shouldn't have a problem with it. I just, I just feel like the experiment of it is kind of ludicrous uh, in that I don't even understand why you would ex experiment with that other than, you know, obviously to, to um, increase steals. But at the same time, like the, 
and I'm thinking about this, how that combines with the throwover rule. Like, well, they're not combining throw, it. No, no, I know, I know, but I, I'm thinking about them. I know they're not combining it yet, um, but they could. Um, so, like, I wonder, like, in the throwover rule, can you still step off 12 times? Probably, because you didn't throw over. Mm. Yeah, so, that's interesting. You don't you don't succeed in well, and that's that's why this is this is brilliant to do this in the minor leagues because they're the the law of unintended consequences is is what they're yeah, studying. Right. They they're exactly. they're they're going on a theory and they want to change these things to make the game better, but if they find out that it just leads to other issues that they hadn't anticipated, then they can they can learn those things in the minors and not not make us deal with it watching watch a major league yeah. game. So and then like the I think the enhancement of I think like what what would what what the outcome of it would be if they did implement something like that would be like you're basically allowed two throwovers and two step offs maximum and yeah. that's then that's it's a balk it. yeah. yeah because because what you've essentially created in either situation is just the ability to step off step off. The reason now, now I'm wavering a little bit. I think the uh, the 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 step off rule to first. The reason that's going to increase offense is because the minute the pitcher goes to the plate, you know he's pitching now. So right, that that's that's the that's a you know that's a, a a bigger a bigger change. I think a combination of those two, which is probably what might end up happening in the major league level, is is um would be interesting well we'll be able give to, baseball what they want yeah we'll be able to see right away you just take a look at i think it's high a um i forget which division but you can see if the box go through the roof or stolen bases go through the roof this season we know what we know what's going on so it'll be fun to pay attention to uh, I think we need to talk about the biggest news in chicago that broke last week um the I think you, you've you've done a little more research on this than I have, but it, it was determined by a kind of a strange source that the Chicago White Sox have the quote unquote booziest fans in baseball. I'm gonna and yeah, I'm gonna make we this, sure do everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make this the subject of my sexual harassment. Ozzy Dean on the line here on WSCR with Bob Brunley, Mike North, Fred Humner, Annie Mac. How you doing, Ozzy? Oh, shut the fuck up. That ball hit high and deep. Way back. Way back. And he's not quite out of here. Dad, get it. The mire to mediocrity. Tell me about when you were being interviewed for the potential White Sox manager's job. I was drunk. you got to be bleeping. I think this uh, is more I, like sexuality, really. It could be sexuality. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll let you start. Okay, Explain so. Explain what's going on my, here. My, my only. I don't care. Like, like I don't. I don't care that we end up with like the booziest fans. In baseball I think it's a badge of honor. I'm like, I don't see like, why like, this is. This would, like, anyone would have yeah, a problem with this. The, but the only thing I find weird about it is a study was done by the like NewJerseyGambling.com, who also <laughs> did some goofy ass study earlier where Chicago baseball. I can't remember what it was. I meant to look it up before we got on, and I didn't. Now I'm pissed at myself. But they also did some study and, and we were like, and we were like, why is it being done by, and it, it seems that like Chicago always wins in these studies that they do from NewJerseyGambling.com. And 
here's the interesting part it doesn't even take in like that booziest part has nothing to do with the tailgate it's just well there is a no there's a separate the one there's a yes, separate we're, study we're, that talks about we're pre three, we're three on the pregame <laughs> yeah which i i've done one a lot of pregame yeah in the that parking lot is there's yeah. plenty of booze being drank but yeah they're one in the park three three in the three on the tailgate but um the, the the part of the study, and this is no surprise to us because we we've covered this before on uh, how expensive a Cubs game is, is that the Sox, Sox fans get to drink um, one and a quarter more beers than the Cubs fans and pay basically the same amount of money for that one and a quarter <laughs> more beers. So we're winning, folks. Um, Congratulations. It, it, uh, yeah, I know. I know. And we have better beer. So it's so weird. We, we pay less beer. for better beer. So I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's a winning, it's a winning, uh, it's a winning, it's, we're already winning and the season hasn't even started. I guess it was, it was a surprise to me that the White Sox would be leading all of Major League Baseball. I thought, I thought both Chicago teams would be up there, but to have the Sox be number one overall was, was surprising. I think it was 4.2, an average of 4.2 beers per per game in the game. Yeah. Um, everyone's kind of close to that. It's, you know, whether it's 4.1, I think the Cubs were a 3.7 or something. So it's, it's not yeah. like it's, it's not like you're out, you're, you know, double fisting while the Cubs are drinking out of one hand. Um, I, I guess uh, the, the third part of that study is, is where my sexual harassment is coming from. Uh, they, they termed it the, the biggest lightweights, I think is, is the term they use because, Sox fans led the league in ad, at least admitting to uh, missing all or at least parts of games due to overconsumption. They, they had to leave a game or they passed out or for whatever, maybe they're in the bathroom. Uh, but they, they led the league in uh, <laughs> overindulging, which kind of makes sense. I mean, if you follow the numbers, if they're drinking more, they're going to also have more trouble with, with overindulgence as well. So, but I thought that was funny. Like they call them the booziest, the booziest fans in baseball, but they also call them the biggest lightweights. So I thought that was a little, it made me, made me chuckle a little bit. Um, yeah, honestly, funny, funny shit. Wasn't it a, wasn't it like a, re didn't they only, like interview like didn't the it only go out to like a thousand fans too of it's each it was 20 2500 and that, right? that's this again i keep coming back to the scientific method all all polls you see uh across any subject across any media uh i think i forget the exact number but it's something like if you get over 2000 respondents that isn't that's always an statistically an accurate yeah. uh representation of, of the world i don't know how they came up with that number but it's that's that's not that's not a random number that this new jersey gambling.com came up with that that is the the scientifically agreed upon number of people to to study to get a real result the the the, the funky thing about this is it's like it's just a fan survey it's not this is not on data that's pulled from you know, beer sales or, you know, statistics that they could actually pull, like what, you know, from the each stadium, what did you actually sell in beer? This is just fans reporting how many beers they think they had, which may or may not be very accurate. You know, I don't know. I never could be even a, more. Well, that's the thing. I don't, I don't remember ever keeping a direct count of how many beers I've had at a game. 
safe to say I think it's well over 4.2 per game. <laughs> and that's probably why I don't keep keep close track. But, um, you know, it's not it's not 20 beers. I know that. But um, that, so, yeah, you, you can question the, the significance or the accuracy of the survey. It's just it's just funny. I did not expect the Sox to be topping those lists. The funniest part about reading that survey was I wish it had come out before we got the questions. Um, oh, from, uh, from Gary, from yeah, uh, Coco Chris yeah. Daffro. Yeah. yeah. Because, because of the direct question about the, the party, the frat boy thing at Wrigley. And, yeah. The, and the puking party is on the South side, <laughs> but it did, it did, it did kind of, it did kind of play into what we, how we both answered that. So yeah, it um, that it was kind of an equally shared drunkenness. Well, I think the Cubs were still um, in the top 10. The, the Tigers were in the top 10, um, which I was kind of surprised by. But the our Bay Area friends, uh, both the A's and the Giants, were, I think, next to last and third to last in well, beer consumption. Well, because they're buying wine. Well, at least well at the Giants game. It, it, well, certainly for before the game, because it's not easy to find, at least 15 years ago, it's not easy to find a place to drink before games in either Jeez. of those stadiums. So yeah, that, that, might, was... that might curtail some of the drinking, but I don't know. I had plenty of beers when I was in both those parks, so maybe that's yeah, just a I, me problem. Oh, well, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had I had a decent amount of beers at when we were at that concert there. Where there's a um, will, there's a way. You yeah. can find it. I do think this is probably a better way, though, to kind of do a, a funny survey like this versus just telling up beer consumption, because I guess you'd have to take the beer consumption and then you'd have to do a formula based on the average amount of fans at a game and all that shit to like come to a a fair number. Across. I think that'd be. I think that'd be pretty easy to quantify. Yeah, it would be pretty easy to quantify. I don't think the teams are willing to share that information. And they're certainly not willing to share that information to the New Jersey gambling.com website. So they did the best they could. They talked to 2,600 drunk people. Yes. Well, I think, uh, I think we should take a break uh, before we get into the rest of this. I need a break. So we will be right back on the Wordhole media network. Wordhole media. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. Oh, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. And oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. Get your mouth shut. Get your mouth shut. Jerk. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of them. The Limpidus Podcast. Just a couple of Chicago pricks united by our hatred of the University of Michigan football and the Chicago Bears. Find us at LimpDitkas.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, I think we need to pick up where we left off, but giving, as I was giving some shit to the White Sox, I think I got to start with giving some shit to my Cubs, uh, my favorite Cubs rub segment. All right, here's the rub. I'll tell you one fucking thing. I hope we get fucking hotter than shit just to stuff it up them 3,000 fucking people that show up every fucking day. Who stings? And another thing I'm going to say. I've won over 1,800 games in the manager, and I'm not a damn dumb. 
This comes to an old fan favorite, and old being the operative word, is a 35-year-old Pedro Strope has returned to the Cubs this spring. Hold on, let me adjust my cap. Yeah, right. you got it. On a minor league deal, uh, he was released from the Cubs prior to the 2020 season, I believe. He played with the Reds last year, which is, is a jarring sight to see him in a Reds uniform, the hated Reds. And he was pretty bad. I mean, it, it just looked like the game, you know, games passed him by. It looked like a smart decision on the Cubs to, to let him go la- before last year. But they brought him back before this spring. He was released by the Reds. They the Cubs brought him back on a minor league deal, and he, you know, came back to the Cubs and immediately went out to dinner with some Cleveland Indians friends that we'll get into. Uh, about breaking, right. yeah, breaking COVID protocols that Major League Baseball has has established. Um, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, Pedro Strope is a beloved guy in the locker room. You know, fans love him. Everybody likes the guy. I He might just be a fucking moron is what this comes down to. Like, he's on a minor league deal. Been he does not have a major league. Yeah. I don't, he, he's in severe decline over the last couple of years. And he's now breaking COVID protocols. You know, mind you, I'm not saying the Cubs are better than other teams, but they had zero COVID cases last year during the season. They were the only team, the only team across Major League Baseball that had zero COVID cases. So I don't know if that's luck or if they they take they took things a little more seriously than everyone else. Whatever it is, they had zero cases, and immediately Pedro Strope is violating the the protocols that they hold so dear that have worked out so well for the Cubs. And it's like. What what the fuck are you doing? The, the, the other parts of the story is what I mentioned. He was out to dinner with apparently a couple of his friends from the the Indians. Um, one being Jose Ramirez, the star player. The Indians have had their issues over yeah. the last few years uh, with Plesac and Clevenger getting caught getting caught uh, for going out in the middle of last season and then going like getting on the plane with a, a manager who is dealing with you know many health issues is we made them assholes of the week for doing that they lied about it they lied directly to the team about it uh i don't think there was a lying situation in this they got they got caught because the second uh indians teammate i forget i forget who it was reyes somebody reyes he posted pictures of them without masks out at out at dinner on social media and it just never occurred to them that they, they could possibly get in trouble for this or that it was a violation of the COVID protocols, which I'm assuming everyone is well-versed in. It's just stupid upon stupid that I cannot figure out. And for Pedro Strope to, to be coming back in a, in such a, you know, just a minor role, but to jeopardize his entire team potentially for just going out to dinner with, with not even his teammates, just friends that he had on another team is just, fucking ridiculous so that's gonna be my cubs rub of the week i don't know if you saw that or had thoughts yeah i I did see it i mean i just think it's irresponsible in all three players parts um jose ramirez is you know he's we're gonna be doing our fantasy special here next week and he's gonna be a top 10 pick so he's had to quarantine pedro strope had to quarantine but it was only for a couple days 
um, which I don't quite get that. He's back. So I don't know if Jose Ramirez is back, but sorry, I cut you off. I'm getting fired no. about this. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's just it's just irresponsible. Um, That's the perfect word. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised. I'm almost I don't know why, but I am surprised by it. I mean, you think that we've come so far and we're so close to being at a at a really good place in the yeah. US. Um that why not just wait it out for the next freaking month and a half i mean somehow you stay on schedule like like you're an adult and you have a responsibility to another 30 players in that locker room that that's the key point yeah it's not just your behavior affecting you it affects your entire team it affects everybody so yeah that's why I i can't stand it yeah it's 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 freaking ridiculous and 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 you know that's gonna it's gonna affect. He probably has a chance of making the had the chance of making the roster, right? But not now. Probably he's gonna definitely probably start in the minors just because of that. It's not gonna help. Yeah, it's definitely not gonna help unless he just has a lights out rest of the spring training. But yeah, I'm not yeah that. kind of, uh, kind of, kind of. Uh, I got nothing else to say. <laughs> Well, let's let's transition out of that. I think you've got some gigantism that you'd like to address. Um, yeah, well, I have a I have a Cubs question for you. Oh, sorry, because it because it because it, it was it was uh, it was everywhere here this past week, um, and I think it's part of a favorite topic of ours of the of the catastrophic biblical losses of the Cubs and and how the Cubs really don't have the Cubs don't have any money. So the question came up: <laughs> if you could only keep one who would you keep out of this pool of players i'm just interested on your take uh javi baez anthony rizzo chris bryant or wilson Contreras. yeah we we've done this we've we've done we did this two years ago we did this last year it's javi baez um well that's a that's a tricky question if you when you throw Contreras in we, we've always done the debate between Bryant and Baez and it was a no-brainer to go with Baez because uh, you think you could get him the there's a huge difference in Contreras because he's not going to command the massive salary that Baez I don't see why there's any reason the Cubs can't get Baez and Contreras I don't think there's any way they could get Contreras and Bryant that that's why you had to make a decision between those two um, I also don't think there's there would be an issue re-signing Rizzo because I think he wants to be a Cub for life. I think um, he's made he hasn't made as much as he possibly could because he already gave the Cubs a, a friendly long-term deal. Um, he he's not in his peak years. He's going to have to take a smaller deal. So I think I think you could sign three of those guys. I don't think it's a one out of four. I think you could sign Baez, Rizzo, and Contreras, and with with Chris Bryant being the odd man out. So. But I mean, if we're gonna turn this into the our our favorite asshole segment, if I have to choose one, it comes down to uh, Baez or Contreras, and I I think I still have to go Baez just for the position versatility, the unique talent. I, I love Contreras. I love him behind the plate. He has shown a propensity to get injured though, and uh Baez has not shown that same and you know of course Baez's numbers were down last year but I, again I think that's an anomaly but so to answer your question I think I think it's Baez pretty pretty easily yeah he led he led in all all polls so I just was curious on your take that's who I would have that's who I uh 
who I would pick too. He's the most talented guy on the field. He does so much on 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 getting outs that other players would mm-hmm. not be able to get outs on. So yeah, best yeah, shortstop in Chicago. Kind of I mean, I I pretty much uh, debatable. Pretty much knew the the what the answer is going to be, but uh, all right. Uh, we want to go to gigantism or White Sox. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. We. I forgot you had more to talk about the White Sox. I totally cut you off. So. I do. I do. Yeah. We're, I'm still struggling. We're in spring training. Uh, <laughs> we'll get this ironed out by the regular season. So yeah, we can jump back yeah. to your White Sox. Uh, we'll jump back to the White Sox before gigantism. Um, Don Cooper, an unfiltered, because it's been, it's been a while now, an unfiltered uh, Don Cooper got onto a local radio show and basically came clean and said they basically called me in and said yeah you're out we don't want you anymore move along the white Sox Um, called that a mutual parting of the ways there was no there was no mincing words they said it was mutual which you and i thought was ludicrous at the time and now we're learning that it was ludicrous because it wasn't true yeah Uh, ricky still continues to not talk about the matter but don who's never been shy uh, finally, finally talked about it, said he was really hurt by it. And, you know, it's, it's a shitty feeling pretty much when you're not wanted anymore by an organization you've been with as long as he was with the White Sox. 2002, so, I believe is when he started. Yep. In the, wow. uh, I mean, you can't take away for what, what he did, uh, for that pitching staff, uh, all those years, but he's, he's had a lot of unsuccessful moments too so it'll be interesting to see if we fare any better with uh ethan Katz there i mean it's a different breed of player than when even back in 2002 so um cats may be cats may be more relatable than it's weird you bring in cats but then you bring in la russa as your as your head coach so i mean it's like trading parts but um (laughs) anyhow that uh, that was something I wanted to bring up. And as we know, we can't get too excited about home runs in uh, spring training. Um, I you noticed will. you. Fr- oh, I only get just for <laughs> no, 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 no. It was just just last night it happened. Uh, Eloy <laughs> hit a fucking shot off the scoreboard that was just like it looked great. I mean, again. It was a pull, 100% pull shot. He just crushed it. It was just nice to see. But the fact it went off the scoreboard, I I just got got the juices flowing. Like, yeah, all right. We got some baseball here. I mean, well, shit, you got Jock, Jock Bay Peterson over there. I was the just going to say you should you should notice that I did not mention Jock Peterson's five home yeah, runs I know. so far this I would, spring. I, would, I wouldn't either because he does that every spring. So um and a lot of them are opposite fields so you can take that for what it's worth um and he also has anyway, 30 home runs a year so we'll see as a part-time player now he's gonna be full we'll see how that works that's why i don't bring it up in the spring but yeah <clears throat> yeah which is something else i wanted to touch upon and this is uh not only directed at white Sox fans this is directed at all fans it's called spring training None of this matters. If your yep. team is nine and zero, ten and one, one and whatever the socks are, especially when you have games where the socks and many teams have had bases loaded multiple times in games. And they, they say, 
inning over our pitchers thrown too many pitches yeah so, if if spring training games weren't meaningless enough before this year they are completely meaningless with the idea yeah. that you can just stop an inning whenever you decide you could stop an inning it, you know in the last in, you know, these are five and seven inning games right now is the other part of it that's you could the stop other it, part of it yeah base is loaded bottom of the seventh and you could just walk off the field if you choose to you know <laughs> these yeah. these games don't mean shit so yeah so everyone just like take a deep breath calm down and you know you know there's always been there's always an overreaction to things people are just excited you know baseball's back and it looks like we're going to have a full season and fans are going to be in the stands so there's a lot of excitement but you know the other thing people don't realize is that like in a lot of times in the spring training game a pitcher is told to go out and only throw fastballs yep work on your fastball work on your changeup well guess what that shit's going to get hit around eventually because if basically that's all you're throwing the hitters are just going to sit on a pitch and eventually catch up to it. So Trevor Bauer, our favorite was working on throwing pitches with one eye closed. That was his goal. There you go. There you go. <laughs> in case he gets stung in the eye by a bee. Or, <laughs> he can triumph over adversity at that point. He can. He winning. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's about it. The only other thing to report is, uh, and again, I don't know the extent of it. There wasn't a lot, just that uh, Ronaldo Lopez is disappointed in his outing yesterday where he got fucking shellacked. And then Rodon followed up by pitching two scoreless innings and continued with a zero ERA in spring training. So I think if you're, if you're wondering as a White Sox fan, who's leading the fifth starter position at the moment until Kopech's arm strength gets built back up, it's Rodon. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up this week wow. that it has come out that originally there was this like release by Han had spoke that he expects Kopech to start. He expected Kopech to be the fifth starter. Yeah, we what talked I, about that. What he, what he did not qualify is he just expected him to be the fifth starter at some point this season. Okay, because that, that's different an, than what they first was, reported. Yes, it there was, was like, like to start the season. Yeah, there was an insinuation by him not adding a caveat, which I completely understand. That's that 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 it wasn't to come out of the gates that way. So that changed things dramatically. So I'm guessing Rodon will most likely be the fifth starter to start the year, but we'll see um, how how that works out. And that's uh, that's all I got for the Watson. Thought that would I think that makes sense at least, but. Do you want to go ahead and talk about your Giants? Yeah, the, the Giants, uh, one of our favorite topics about the Giants is it's, uh, it's a team in just a weird spot who never wants to uh, make a decision on whether they're, they don't ever really want to say they're rebuilding or they don't ever really want to rebuild. But um, the big news this week on the Giants isn't uh, anything uh, from spring training, just that the new uh, top 100 prospect list came out and, uh, Luciano, the 19 year old shortstop, who's been, who's getting some spring training experience. And despite his nine strikeouts and one for 12, uh, at the plate, he, uh, moved up on the prospect list to the number 16th prospect overall in baseball from the 35th prospect over, uh, overall in baseball. Uh, so that was, um, that was some good news in, from the, uh, from a ranking standpoint, it means nothing on how you will end up performing on the field. But the fact that 
the experts are recognizing him as a, a real talent to, to move him up that much in baseball. So that's, that's, that's all I have on the Giants this week. Well, I've got a little bit of Tiger shit that I'd like to bring up. Marky Anderson has joined us. First of all, how do you feel? I feel great, Mark, but let me tell you this. I'm stupid. Chris just grabbed a nacho. I think he took somebody's nacho. He's doing it on something. You know, a little mid-game snack. Magnum P.I., right? Use him for an example, right? Here he is. He carries a Detroit hat around. He's talked about me on the show. And Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell go on the show. Why doesn't someone say, how come we don't have Mark Fittich on the show? This came out uh, a couple weeks ago that Spencer Torkelson, their number one overall pick, the number one overall pick in baseball last year, uh, cut his finger. But what wasn't originally known is how he cut his finger. And it was revealed last last week that he was trying to open a can of beans, of all things, which just Mm. immediately makes me think of last year's incident with Jose Quintana, who... yes caught himself in his kitchen uh prior to the season uh on a knife in his sink or wine yes. no it was a broken glass broken wine glass i think it was something that, washing it, dishes it, it, yeah it involved him doing dishes That's, yeah uh, and uh yeah that was gonna be my fantasy team name last year jose quintana's dishwasher uh but uh it which cost him a month out of the season that was only two months long it was ridiculous that he had that issue the incident wasn't nearly as serious with, uh, with Torkelson, who's not not necessarily expected to make the team anyway this year, but or at least out of spring training. But the story finally came out. That's what that's what the news part of this is that he was it was his night to cook dinner for him and his roommates, who are top prospect Riley Green and Jake Rogers. Uh, but the Airbnb they were staying in didn't have a can opener. So in his words, they had to improvise and he, he got some kind of wine opener that had a blade on it and folded up on him when he was trying to open this fucking can and ended up causing a half inch cut on his finger, uh, that required stitches, but it hasn't kept him out of many games. Um, he was trying to make, I think he said they were trying to make some corn salsa. So I'm guessing these are black beans that he was trying to open, um, I don't know, guys, uh, I'm, <laughs> I've never cut myself trying to open a can before. I guess I've <laughs> had a can opener around, but yeah, usually I'm also not a multi-million dollar baseball prospect. So it seems like if I'm careful enough, never to cut my hand in a can that these assholes could figure this out, go, go find something, something else to open the can, find, run to the, run to the store and get a fucking can opener. Yeah, have or have your salsa without beans. I don't know. Wow. Just let's <laughs> not let's not get crazy, Ryan. It's just ridiculous that, that these things go out. It's not to the level of asshole of the week, but it's definitely part of my tiger shit. Um, just makes me laugh. Um, he he had a he had a he made made light of it, which is fine, I guess. He's he's got a sense of humor about it, but fucking a dude he's also oh for 13 in the spring so far which is not what you want to see out of your number one prospect not that not that's the end of the world but i don't know if those things are related with a cut to the right index finger can't help your batting and his numbers are uh not great right now so spencer torque get your shit together buddy no lay off the lay off the salsa if you have to uh, I think 
that transitions me into uh, a happier subject with my fucking A's. I mean, he's the kind of guy who walks into a room, his dick has already been there for two minutes. Today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. Holy Toledo! I'm just saying, girlfriend is a six at best. Fucking A. Another top prospect across baseball, and one that I've uh, been interested in for quite some time now is Jesus Luzardo. Mainly because when I first saw his name, I immediately just had to start calling him the Jesus Lizard uh, after a prominent Chicago slash Austin, Texas indie rock band from the 90s, the Jesus Lizard. Um, I just, I've always loved that name, Jesus Luzardo. And then you come to find out he is one of the top prospects across all baseball um, with a 97 mile an hour fastball coupled with knee buckling, breaking stuff. Um, I actually heard him last week on an A's podcast and he seems like a really cool dude uh, down to earth. But he's talking about last year how he kind of struggled. His first partial season was 2019. Uh, He came up, he was called up near the end and he had a sub sub two ERA and in limited starts. But last year he kind of lost, he said he lost his slider. So he's just depending on his, his fastball and his, his numbers weren't atrocious, but they weren't certainly weren't great. He did end up uh, striking out 59 batters and 59 innings, uh, which made him the second leading uh, rookie pitcher from 2020 in that regard. But he said he spent the whole off season working on a slider and getting that back. Um, what I didn't hear in that, in that podcast was that he was also working on another new pitch um, hmm. that he calls the Turkey sub, which made me laugh. It is a 65 mile an hour curveball that he, he broke out this week against the Rangers and just completely buckled everyone's knees with that. Uh, why it's called the Turkey sub. I'm not sure. I think you saw the same story. I don't know if you heard the whole story, yeah. why it's called that. I didn't hear the whole story while I was called the Turkey sub, just that he, uh, he, like it. he, re- he liked, he referred to it as the Turkey sub. I think it's called the Turkey sub. Cause he's looking for some freaking uh, tie in with subway or, or, you know, looking for a deal, get a sponsorship deal. Why not get a sponsorship deal? Right. Kid's smart. I like it. I, I'm, I'm a fan of Turkey subs and I'm a fan of a guy that can throw 97 miles an hour and then throw 65 miles an hour and just make a batter almost fall down. Uh, so that's, that's a guy to keep, keep an eye on. He was, I, I'm kind of tipping my hand here for our fantasy segment that we're going to do next week. We're doing our fantasy draft next Saturday and I hope we can do a, sp- a special podcast live draft podcast like we did last year. Um, I picked Jesus Jesus Lazardo on my fantasy team last year and I'm probably going to be <laughs> angling towards him this year as well. So uh, don't tell anyone else in the league about that. But so yeah, that's my out. my fucking A's for the week. All right. I think that leads us into our shit we couldn't shit. make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> for a turkey cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. 
Which that would have been mine this week. So go ahead. Yeah, name it, name it a pitch attorney <laughs> sub. That, that is something you and I could not make up. But yes. I had I had another one that I wanted to talk about this week. I just saw this last night, actually. But it, it's we almost need to change this, or maybe I need to change. Do start doing my own segment uh, from shit we funny shit we couldn't make up to the New York mess, because the New York Mets keep keep make you know they keep showing up in this segment somehow just funny shit you could never make up uh last week it was uh a prominent free agent couldn't get the number he wanted because the mr. mascot Met. yeah mr met had the number already double zero and they prioritized their mascot over their prized free agent and getting that number the week before that, that but... yeah Asshole of the week was before that uh, with Mickey Calloway, their former manager, being center of uh, long and storied sexual harassment uh, stories uh, that the Mets had to be involved in. That was just perfect. Um, This week, of course, they made our shit you couldn't make up because they took the time out to celebrate winning game seven of the 2021 world series. They needed to practice that on the field somehow. (laughs) And uh, there's video of this. It's just, it's just absurd. It looks absurd. I think it's symptomatic of a, a long spring training where coaches and players get bored and they try to find new things to keep them entertained. I just can't imagine uh, being told we're going to do this, being a player on the field and trying to feign excitement and throwing my mitt up in the air and hooping and hollering that, you know, we just fake won the 2021 World Series. It's just, it's embarrassing. It just looks stupid. I I would feel stupid doing it if I was a player. They they seem to fully participate, but... (laughs) That, that there's video of this just makes it even better. And they, they just got crushed across social media. So only the Mets. I mean, it, it's almost like it could have been anyone else and it wouldn't have even been a story. But since it's the Mets and their, their funny and ridiculous history that they, they would be seen doing this is just perfect for our segment. So thanks, Mets. Again, you guys are the gift that keeps on giving. They really are. They really are. Well, that's all I've got for this week. Um, I don't know oh, if you had anything a else long you wanted one. Yeah, it was. No, I didn't forget anything, so that's a plus. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap this one up. Uh, you can catch us on social media, uh, Major League A-Holes. You can catch our website at MajorLeagueAholes.com. You can find our podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast. So do it. Rate, subscribe. No, don't subscribe. Apple changed it. It's follow us now follow us Please come follow with us, us. <laughs> follow us to freedom uh so yeah do all that shit i don't know why but i want you to do it i think pete wants you to do it subscribe I rate, do. review follow all of it so with that i'm going to declare this podcast is over peace, peace. Yeah! jesus fucking christ it's about time S-S-H-O-L-E Everybody A-S-S-H-O-L-E I'm an 
soul, and I'm proud of it. Word Hall Media.